Good evening, everybody. You are listening to 90.7 WGCC and the Anchor app. Today is Tuesday, July 2nd, 2019, and you're listening to the J-Red Show. Hello, everyone. I am J-Red, broadcasting from the third floor of Genesee Community College right here in Batavia, New York, on the, on 9.7 WGCC and the Anchor Podcast app. Got a great show for you today. we talk about the NHL and NBA free agencies. Give my thoughts on the Sabres, where they go from here. Um, baseball, the Yankees were in London. They took on the Boston Red Sox. Women's World Cup, and so much more. If you have requests, if you have song requests on the radio side, hit me up on Twitter at JRedShow. For listeners on the podcast, um, you can just sit back and just listen to me talk and enjoy. Um, anyone who wants to talk about sports or anything that's going on, um, hit me up on Twitter at JRedShow. Um, and cut next is uh, Republica with Ready to Go. So once again, my Twitter account is J- at JRedShow, and it's always keep up at 9.7, the music FM. And we are back on 90.7, the music FM. For those listening on the Anchor app, I apologize. I just realized I had a broadcast of the Yankee game playing while I was talking that opening segment, so you would hear John Sterling and uh, Susan Waldman's voices in the background. Um, but speaking of John Sterling, on Thursday, for the first time in 30 years, after 5,058 games, he's gonna take a, he's gonna take a game off. He's not feeling it 100%. <coughs> so he probably needs some time take he needs some time off. And the guy is 80 years old, and he is one of my favorite play-by-play announcers. In my opinion, he's second to Rick Jenneret. I just love his calls. All right, here comes the judge. Uh, John Kyle, Uski Osalo, um, Guardy Party. I could go on and on. I just enjoy listening to those calls. In fact, when I did baseball and basketball on here at WGCC, I would follow his lead. I would listen to it. I would pretty much make up my own calls like that. So hopefully it gets better. He is 81 years old. Who knows how much longer he has left. Sabres play-by-play Rick announcer Rick Jenneret is going to stick around for another year. I am really hoping that he, the Sabres can get one more playoff win run in before he retires for good and hopefully win the cup before he retires for good. But anyhow, the Buffalo Sabres took that next step by trading a third-round pick for Jimmy Vesey. Really don't have much to complain about this. Uh, the success rate of third-round picks turning into anything other than AHL fodder or bottom six guys is very low. The only third-round picks of the Sabres since 2000 that have legit NHL careers were Braden McNabb, Andre Sakara, and Clark MacArthur. Most third-round picks are like Nick Baptiste or Bryson Martin. No problem giving a third-round player for a... Uh, uh, it was, it was, so it's, it's worth it's a small risk, not not really much of a risk at all. But um, Jimmy Vesey had 17 goals. Um, so 
VD had a chance to join the Sabres three years ago, but he chose, but he picked the Ra but he picked the Rangers instead. I do not think he's responsible. He should be blamed for this. Um. Um. Some feel that um. Some felt that a third round pick was perhaps too much for a player of VD's caliber. But like I said, he's just third round picks don't usually pan out very much. Um. He, but VZ owed the Sabres absolutely nothing from the 2016 pick. From the moment it was announced that he had decided not to sign the National Predators following the senior season at Harvard, his camp made their intentions perfectly clear. The collegiate standout would explore the free agent market and make the best decision for his future. Fully aware of this, uh, Tim Murray decided to, ca to calculate gamble by sending a third-round pick to Nashville for VZ's rights. Now, as part of the flaw rules in place pertaining to the NCAA hockey player's ability to become unrestricted free agents at the college. But don't fault the player for taking advantage of a said rule and doing what's best for his career. It isn't as though there was any type of verbal agreement between he and the Sabres prior to the trade. The Sabres had their chance to sell him on the team, just like every other franchise that expressed interest. Murray overestimated his ability to close the deal. Either way, you should not blame me, VZ, um, for Murray's hap. It was Murray for his half-hazard tendency to forfeit futures. So, like I said, it's only a third-round pick, but it really tells you what 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 bad asset management Tim Murray did. He had, but back at the time, um, VZ was a player who had this choice of either joining a team that might finally be emerging from the most embarrassed stretch of hockey in their history or sign with a team that was in the Stanley Cup Finals two years prior. From now, it's unclear where he'll we'll sign into the lineup. The Sabres currently have four NHL caliber left wingers of the contract. Sherry, Skinner, and Olofsson. VZ metrically um, is slightly above replacement level, meaning that the logical choice would be to keep him in the bottom six. If the organization does decide to let Evan Rodriguez, let Evan Rodriguez man the center position on the third line, the two complement one another nicely. Given VZ's ridiculously poor metrics from a defensive standpoint, Rodriguez presents a responsible two-way player that can provide an adequate safety valve and allow him to be more creative defensively. The idea that VZ owed Buffalo the idea here is that the VZ owed Buffalo nothing. He opted not to sign with a team that actually drafted him, so why would he sign with a lesser club who arbitrarily acquired his rights? VZ's camp made it clear that he'd be take, talking to everyone once he was officially a free agent. That little window that Murray purchased got him nothing extra that, in that regard. VZ played with Eichel. Eichel was supposed to be a generational, uh, uh, oh, and he chose to play um, for a terrible Rangers team, so I could see the counter argument. But in 2016, the Rangers were not a weak team. They were in the, they were in the playoffs. They were two years removed from the finals. Um, so, but as fans, we basically have zero influence on how any of this stuff goes down. So the fans tend to create narratives in their heads to support their fandom. I think VZ is a tool for spurning Buffalo. I think Babcock is a tool for spurning Buffalo. Would I have done the same thing in their shoes? Probably. Do I think they made the best decisions themselves? Most likely. Do I care? No, VZ is certainly not a bad guy in my narrative. I like this trade. It was super cheap. You're going to get a third-round pick. 
So, it's very small. It's very small. To me, emotion is the point of being a fan of a team. If I took every athlete's point of view, that would never work for me, as I would unable to retain my emotional connection to the Sabres. Andrew Wiggins said, in the moment when I truly understand my enemy, understand him well enough to defeat him. Then in that very moment, I'll also love him. Let's look at, uh, Lou Cheech might be cool to go off the ice. Castle might donate millions of kids to the, to, to, to donate millions of dollars to kids' foundations. I bet there are some nice Leaf fans. Uh, they're the enemy as, as far as I'm concerned, as a Sabres fan. But to the, hit me on Twitter at Jerry Show for your thoughts. But overall, it's a very good move by Botterill. He gets a player whose contract was sparked the next season, and that put the pressure on BC to play well. He must play well whether he wants to be in a Buffalo or whether he wants to leave. Either way, he has to impress management. So it's a low-risk, high-reward deal for the Sabres. The Sabres also re-signed C.J. Smith to a deal, to a year deal. deal um, all in all, pretty nice move. He'll be going back and forth between Rochester and Buffalo. Very nice move. This is a good, um, this is a good year for agency for Rochester. John Gilmore, Hammond, JSD, Chris Lazar. Um, so, so basically, Bottles says he wants to continue his plan to build a winning team in Rochester. Um, so, the Amherst were third in the AHL last year in the regular season, but unfortunately, that's what the first round of the playoffs, so... The Amherst should still be good. Botterill stated that it is important to build a winning team in Rochester. I mean, it's not the only factor, but having a but to develop but it's important to develop prospects, get a winning culture in there, and hope and see them jump and see them jump up to the NHL level. Like in the mid-2000s, Pominville, Miller, Roy, they were all built in Rochester. They came to Buffalo and stayed with two of the best seasons in his history. Um, Colin Miller, they traded, they, they, they traded for Colin Miller. I like that trade. He's a good defenseman. So, um, you could, I think, mean, for Bob press conference I saw, you could tell he wants to be straight with everyone. He knows he has not much to say. I get the impression that he's hedging to protect his players rather than say anything that would show his hand. Um, every general manager knows what the Sabres wants to do with him. So when the media asks questions, it's because the info has already been known. So what are your thoughts on these trades? Hit me on Twitter at JRedShow. A big winner from the, this trade deadline is the Toronto Maple Leafs. The Leafs sent Kaji to Colorado. They also sent Rosen at 2023 round pick for defenseman Tyson Berry and forward Alice Kuratov at 2026 round pick. The Avalanche will attain half of their Berry stat early. Um, Kaji can score. He's a year removed from a pair of 30 goal seasons, and the Avalanche need a score. So this is a good move for Colorado. They need a, more to the point. The Avalanche need a score who can do some other things as well. You can check to the center on the Avalanche team that struggled to get contributions at the its elite hotline. Kaji, the longest tenure Leafs, shifted from the former role to the latter as the additional part of the John Tavares 
as a digital part or jobs far as forcing down the death chart. He can do both though. He'll be encouraged. He's likely to center an entirely new look second line with recently acquired jo Jonas Donsky and Andrei Polgowski. That's a pretty impressive line built from scratch. This is a physicality. His Kaiju's physicality is a double-edged sword. He, I mean, he's it's very effective, but he did get the le Leafs, but he did get suspended, which hurts the Leafs in the last two playoff series. But the Leafs are the clear winners of this. They, they're gonna love Barry. Toronto's defense was conspicuous last season, but Barry instantly changed the composition of the Leafs' second pairing. Whether he's on it or whether he pairs with Morgan Riley and pushes Jake Muzzin down the pairing. A right-handed shot, Barry Walsh is now quarterback the power play, making the Leafs more dangerous in a number of different configurations. Barry can be a defensive liability at times, though he certainly is not to the extent of that it cancels out what brings the other end. He's a puck mover and he's going to thrive up counterattacks and with Toronto's speedy forwards. And push up the offensive zone, sometimes the best defense is a good offense. And maybe that's the most intriguing angle for this move of the Leafs. They're already a sort of a one-dimensional, but what is a dimension? It skaters, scores, and puck handles up and down the lineup. And if some observers thought they lacked the toughness of size checking, Kyle Dubas heard the, those complaints and laughed them off. Kaji was one of the few players who brought those gritty aspects to the game, and now he's gone in favor of yet more poor skill. So I think it's a great move for the Leafs. Um, so... They got rid of Kadri, who got them in trouble the last two series. Um, he's very effective. So that's going to be um, great. For, so that's going to be a good, it's a great move for the Maple Leafs. Um, we'll talk about, we talk about what team is, um, we're approaching the top of the hour right now. So I got to play a legal ID. But when I come back, I'm going to talk about, to talk about to discuss the Bills and the Sabres, talk about which team is more likely to make the playoffs this year, and which team is more likely to have more success. If you have a request, hit me up on Twitter at JRedShow. But um, anyhow, here's the legal ID, and when I come back to talk about the Bills and the Sabres, hit me on Twitter at JRedShow for requests or thoughts. So as always, keep up at 9.7, the music FM. Broadcasting live from the third floor of Genesis Community College, this is WGCC FM Batavia, your home for Batavia's best music, commercial free. 90.7 FM. And I am back. Um, anyhow, who's more has, who has a brighter future, the Bills or the Sabres? As of right now, I'm very cautiously optimistic for both teams. But to say in the short run, I'm more excited for the Bills. In the long run, I'm more excited for the Sabres. Because it seems that the Buffalo Bills have made more changes. I mean, yes, there's plenty of offseason left for the Sabres. But for the most part, they look like they're pretty much the same team they had last year. I do think they underachieved a bit. I think they have the talent to be mid-80s. So I'm expecting the Sabres to be in the lower 90s. The Bills are kind of the same thing. They've shown more improvement. I, I think they've definitely had more improvement. I like what they've done with the roster. They improved the O-line. They improved the, the depth. They improved the centers, receivers. But I'm expecting the Bills. I'm expecting the Bills. Next year, I fully expect the Bills and the Sabres to be in the same spot. 
fighting for a playoff spot, but not quite getting it. I mean, they, they should be, the Sabres should be lower 90s points. Bills should be 9-7. I mean, as of right now, I think the Bills are more likely to achieve that because they made the ser- most of the changes. The Sabres still have a, a lot of the roster they had last year, but this, this offseason is still young. But I think the division is going to be, I think the problem is the division looks like it's going to be tough. Tampa Bay, Boston, Toronto, Montreal, and Florida all look like they've improved. So the Sabres might be fighting for that wild card spot. So it's going to be a little bit difficult to get in. The Bills, uh, they should be nine, a nine-win team. But is that going to be enough to get to the playoffs? It's going to be difficult with Brady and Belichick in the division. Even though Father Time is starting to show on Tom Brady. Even though I think he's going to regress. Even though they lost Rob Gronkowski. It is pretty safe to say that New England is going to win the division yet again. And it'll keep going until Tom Brady and Bill Belichick hang it up. The Bills might make it interesting, but I don't see them catching uh, New England. And the rest of the AFC might be tough. Colts, Chiefs, Chargers, Steelers, Ravens, Browns. These are the teams that they'll be fighting for. They'll be in that middle of the pack. I mean, you never know. Raise your hand if you think in the summer of 2017, you set... You said you thought this was the year the playoff drought was going to end. I did not. Hit me on Twitter if you thought that 20, if you said in the summer of 2017, you said this is the year the drought ends. Um, but anyhow, in the long run, like I said, I'm a little bit more optimistic of the Sabres than I am the Bills. Because, because Eichel is a generational talent. Dolan is a generational talent. He broke a record, Erasmus Dahlin broke a record held by Bobby Orr. So, it is safe to say that he's the next Bobby Orr. He's the next Nick Litchum. He's a legit talent. Eichel, he might not be up to McDavid or Crosby, but he's a generational talent. Josh Allen is still a question mark. I like what I saw. I'm encouraged. I, 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 this offense was was dead, but was going nowhere before Allen stepped in. But then Allen went in there, and he and he made him look confident. And they made him look competent. But I'm not going to sit here and say he's the next Tom Brady, 20 years of success. <laughs> we still got some playing room. He's got to improve that accuracy. But, as I said, I remain cautiously optimistic. I think both the Bills and the Sabres should be either in the playoffs or fighting for a playoff spot next year. Otherwise, it'll be time for Pakula to make some serious changes. What are your thoughts? Hit me on Twitter at J-Red Show. And uh, uh, now on to a big loser for the draft, the financial agency, the Pittsburgh Penguins. They signed Brandon Teniv for a $3.5 million contract for a bottom six forward. That is huge. For, Teniv's not a bad player, but that is ridiculous for a bottom six player. This is how lockouts are caused. Three point five six mil six years for a bottom six player. I mean, yes, there was some positives. He can skate, hit, block shots, 
He isn't trading for possession. But still, six years, $21 million, that's a huge price. Pittsburgh should be rebuilding. And I mean, the Crosby, those are the doors shut in. The Crosby Malkin era is coming to an end. And they spent six years, $21 million on, a, on that? As one of many ridiculous contracts in the NHL, that's probably going to lead to a lockout in a couple of years. But just a horrible new move by Pe the Penguins. Um, and all of a sudden, the once, and all of a sudden, they don't look like a, and all of a sudden, Jim Rutherford's question, they don't look like the model franchise in the NHL. Rutherford hasn't done a good job of bailing players. He hasn't negotiated good contracts. He ignores analytics. He ignores trends around the rest of the league. And if you believe Kessel's words, he lies about players. One of more messed up things is that the, safe, the Penguins, people that don't deserve to get hell accountable for is just a bad contract. Kessel's gone. Um, it wouldn't surprise me if Sully can't fit to a square peg into a round hole. So it's pretty, I think he's on the hot seat now. Um, so, just a horrible trade by, um, Rutherford, and all of a sudden, the, it's, it really is a shame the Sabres aren't in the Metropolitan Division, because that division looks a little bit weaker. That's going to go on, that's going to go some drastic changes, because the Crosby-Malkin era is coming to an end. The Ovechkin, Washington should still be good, but they're a big question mark. And then we have Columbus, Carolina, the Islanders. The Devils should be good. Yeah, some, some pretty dark days for Pittsburgh coming up. The Steelers are a mess. The Penguins are a mess. The Pirates are a mess. So it's just not a good, just not a good time for the Steel City. But what are your thoughts? Do you disagree with me? Hit me on Twitter at JRedShow. Um, if, if you have a quest. And cup next is a skillet with hero for those. On the, if you have a quest, hit me on Twitter at jredshow. And cup next is skillet with hero. Skill out the nine point seven, the music FM. Cheech and Chong with basketball Jones on ninety point seven, the music FM. Before that, the song you just heard was um, um, Power Man Fight, Bombshell by Power Man 5000 and Disturbed by with, with um, Are You Ready? And before that was Skillet with Hero. <coughs> and you'll listen to the J-Red Show on 9.7 The Music FM. The big basketball move is Kevin Durant going to the Brooklyn Nets. And what a slap in the face for the Knicks. Their owner, Jim Dolan, was not prepared to offer Durant a mass contract due to concerns over his recovery from his Achilles injury. Release sources told WEG. Um, so, that just sums up what a poorly ran franchise um, the Knicks have been. Under Dolan. Only one playoff series win in the last two decades. So, 
just a dysfunctional organization, just a big mess the Knicks are. And as, and then their latest blunder just saw them go to the um, their biggest bl the, the 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 top free agent go there across town rivals. And the weird thing is, this wasn't a bad free agency. Um, they didn't have enough assets to pick it up, to package it with an Anthony Davis trade, and they didn't have to try to overhaul them over on picks. They didn't get to Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving, but they said then, but instead they got R.J. Barrett. So, um, they got R.J. Barrett. Um, and now they now they got to cast a build around Barrett. I mean, this is the right idea. This is what the Knicks should be doing. But years and years of mismanagement, and now they're the top free agent is in their crosstown rival Brooklyn. And now fans are running are is New York gonna jump from will New Yorkers jump on the band off the bandwagon? Will Knicks fans become Nets fans? In New York City there's a top, there's a number one team, and there's a number two team for each sport. The Yankees are number one, the Mets are number two. The Giants are number one, the Jets are number two. The Rangers are number one, the Islanders and Devils are two and three. In basketball, the Knicks are number one, and the Nets are number two. But now the Nets have Kevin Durant. I mean, I don't think Knicks fans will jump on the bandwagon. We saw the Mets get to the World Series a couple of years ago. We don't see Yankee fans jump ship. But this is a great overhaul by the Nets. But what do you think? Hit me on Twitter, J-Red, show for your thoughts. It's a great rebuild by the Nets. You think that's that disastrous 2013 trade in Brooklyn that handed the Celtics their future for an aging stars with Paul Pierce and Kevin Garnett? Could you imagine that six years later, two top 15 superstars in their prime were voluntary shoes in Brooklyn? See, this is what the Knicks are doing. I mean, it's, it's too late for Kevin Durant, but this is how you build a winning team. You develop these prep talent, you develop the top, you develop the talent from within, and then you bring in the free agent stars. How did the Golden State Warriors get Kevin Durant? They developed Steph Curry. This is what you need to do. Um. So Miami Heat get Jimmy Butler. I don't know why. He probably wanted to go there to the Heat back in November when he was trying to leave Minnesota. He didn't get there then because the Heat didn't have any many trade assets that were protected of Josh Richardson. Turns out it wasn't. Buckler orchestrated a couple a complex signed trade agreement to get to the South to South Beach. Convincing the Heat to give up Richardson and sign a four maximum contract in the end. Getting Miami and Philadelphia to play ball on a sign and trade is a heck of an accomplishment. Uh, pretty bad offseason for the Rockets. They added another star player in the summer, and they reportedly tr tried to lure Butler back to his hometown. It didn't work because the Sixers didn't want what Houston was offering in the necessary sign, but or, or because Butler wanted to go to Miami. Butler ended up in South Beach, and the Rockets aren't left with many of the good options. So, it's a terrible trip. It's, it's not a good offseason for um, the Rockets. Um, it was just a good offseason for my team, the Chicago Bulls. 
Since 2019 trading in the line, the Bulls have added Otto Porter, Thaddeus Young, Thomas Sentry, and Colby White while giving up Bobby Portis, Jabari Parker, and two second-round picks. In doing so, they transformed the team from an archaic relic of the past into a young, dynamic, defensive-minded, and versatile crew. All four of these acquisitions have position flexibility, which means they can slot in a lot of different places around the young core of Larry Markkinen, Zach Levine, and Wendell Carter Jr. I still think they'll be bad this year. I don't see them getting the 40 wins. But the Bulls did take a step in the right direction, and I will give them that. And it's going to take some time to rebuild this thing, but I think sooner or later, good basketball will turn to Chicago. They might get to 40 wins if they don't fire Byron. One or two of their players must have an all, must take the, the all-star team out. Zach, Laurie, and Otto, and White must be at least a potential future all-star. If we, the Bulls move those off those guys, they must conflate players in a top 10 talent. If that doesn't happen, Garbrook should be fired. If that doesn't happen, the ownership is undeniably not playing a win. And like Dolan, New York, and Perkman, New Jersey, and other states, I can't think of... Uh, I can't think of any of, 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 of I think I think of, but surely given the recent ownership changes, the reserve ownership group must be generally pushed out of the NBA. Um, Jimmy's got. Uh, um, so, what are your thoughts on the Bulls? Hit me on Twitter, Jerry Show. The circumstances turn out to be a lot less. Um, the circumstances turn out to be a lot less good than they seemed. Glenn Taylor was the owner, and he is a bad one. The team decided to li they had limited money, and they were going to give it to inferior players. The players, Cat and Wiggins especially, turned out to be a lot more inferior than expected. He might as well regret leaving Philly, but, but again, it looks like there's a little bit more sizzle and less stake than thought with the Sixers. He was clearly the best player for them in the playoffs, had them a last-second shot from the event being, eventual, being the eventual champs. They basically seem to have not really appreciate that. They got a weird ownership and management going on too. So maybe Jimmy looked at the fact that this was that every team we've played for has, has been full of gar crap, and decided to go with Riley, who has a lot of things. But I don't think he, I think he knows what he's talking about. But I'm having a lot harder time looking at the Timberwolves and Sixers, thinking they were awesome as they looked at one time. I say that the Sixers are smarter bet than the Heat, simply because Embiid and Simmons have have so much talent. I don't think going to Miami would be the kind of the Butler's legacy. Unless Pat Riley has some magic with sleeve and can get another star in Miami, Miami's not, just not good enough to be more than a 50-win pursuit. Butler's turning 30, and he doesn't have as many good years left. So what are your thoughts? Hit me on Twitter at J-Red Show. But let's talk about Thomas Tatarski and the Bulls. Um, they had nicely bonded with this It was a very nice move. They sent a second-round pick to... Um, the Wizards. Early report says it's a three-year deal around $30 million. Sandusky is in his prime at 28. He's a pretty good option for the position. He has the capability filled in for 84 starts the last two seasons with Washington, with John Wall always being hurt, and the team performed better than their with their star. Looks to be more a caretaker, spot-up shooter type of a point guard than one who would generate his own looks. But alongside Zach Levine, that's a better fit. As a three-point shooter, with, uh, was shade under 40% and under three attempts and a defender, he's a, reputated, a solid tryhardy that may actually be good there. He's definitely good at position size at 6'7". There's not a standout star at the level position. Tarski will be adequate to lead, take the lead of the role of Chicago next season. 
He's looking at a better option than the aforementioned Smith and Joseph. So what are your thoughts on the NBA free agency? Hit me on Twitter at jredshow. Um, so uh, that was a great move by the Bulls. I think they sh should be in the playoff hunt. Maybe not quite a playoff team yet, but definitely right by the point. I've been pleasantly surprised this offseason. After signing Jabari last year, it really seemed like there was no end to how low guard pass could go. Even merely competent signings like this are wel a welcome change. The clowns show that they've been the last two or three years. Now they just need a solid wing. I think Thad Young could be that wing. Thad is, is um, as main back at both four spots. With Hush and Valentin probably getting development minutes at star guard and star forward, if they can pull some sort of trade and start done and switch his contract with a new big and new wing, that'll be a great move for the Bulls. Uh, other, um, other, other than the rest of the NBA, the Utah Jazz um, had a great loss season. This is what a this is what it looks like for a small market team to get serious. No longer are the Jazz content to be the nice struggle season team without enough offense that gets it done. Now they have a clutch forward in Mike Conley and one of the league's best spot-up shooters in Bojan Bogdanovic on a four-year, $17 million contract. A solid lineup of Conley, Mitchell, Ingles, Bogdanovic, and Rudy Bogdanovic provides a ton of shooting and playmakers. With the defensive players of the year back there as we have any minutes. Look for Mitchell to have a huge third season. The Suns of Ricky Rubio were um, had a good offseason. The, Su the, had a good, the, the Suns of Ricky Rubio had a good free agency. Um, the Suns were mocked in the NBA draft by, for making several on-brand decisions in the absolute worst possible ways. But they bounced back by not getting enough free agency with a three-year, $51 million contract for Rubio. This move fills a long time to stay a hole in Phoenix's roster with a pass-first point guard who will help everyone else fall into their natural place. This applies to Devin Booker, who will run the action ball off of the ball more than anyone else. It's unclear how much longer Ego's crossover offensive system will be scrapped now that Motley Williams is Phoenix's head coach. But much of it came from Rubio's former team, the Jazz. For the sake of DeAndre Thomas' development, DeAndre Ayton's development, the fewest handle ball handles make more sense than Rubio, who can be at least can help turn last year's number one pick into a destructive role man. Neither Fish nor Rubio will have to worry about this flaw. About this, um, so we'll have to worry about this. About, 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 neither Fish nor Rubio have to worry about this flawed shooting in the playoffs. Because Fish, it's going to take Phoenix a couple of years, but it'll, but I think they're heading in the right direction. So, what are your thoughts? Hit me on Twitter at JRedShow. Um, But the Nets, even with the Rand Kyrie, um, it's going to be hard to see them win the championship. Durant will be 32, come off a torn Achilles. Modern science come a long way, but make no mistake, this is a devastating injury, especially for a guy who is primarily a jump and shooter and depends on lift. Not because he'll be blocked, obviously Kedrask's wingspan makes him unblockable, but this is about his rhythm and comfort level. With Kyrie and Kevin Durant, you have two guys who could just not get it done in the playoffs as the main two superstars of a very good club. Kyrie is a disaster in Boston. There's a very good chance by the time he returns to 2021, the Nets locker room might be a smoking ruin. Um, so what are your thoughts? Hey, man, Twitter, Jerry Show. I thought the Sacramento Kings were a loser and a big loser. 
They used up the vast cap space and committed nearly $200 million for four players who really wasn't, really don't move in the needle. I'm not sure Deadman is any better than the WCS, even though I'm pretty sure that would be a fan of WCS. Arthur is mind-boggling to me. Phoenix tried that for $15 million and he clearly just just a shadow of what he once was. Barnes um, is a solid player, and his value depends on the development of the young core. I look at it this way: if you're a second or a third best player in your team, and your team's going nowhere, if you're your fourth or best, fifth best player, you have a solid playoff team. But then playing your fifth plus player at 21 million a year is just overpay. Lastly, Joseph is a nice player, but for 12 million and a three-year commitment on the, pr the price, it just seems like it's too big of a commitment. Overall, to me, the Kings lost their cap space because they got older and slower. With $65 million in their pockets, they had a great nucleus in Fox, Hill, and Bagley. I don't think they could be moved the needle for the offensive flexibility. But what were the alternatives? They weren't going to get anybody who moves the needle with all those very more more teams affected the cap space. Yes, you can keep the cap space and keep on a bad contract for picks, but I think they almost made the playoffs, given the competitive increase in depth is more important. If they want a different, they want a different image, they can't act like the Suns or Fox. Heal Bailey eventually because we walk and walk. Those dudes need to win games and get some playoff experience. So. Who are your winners and losers of this, of this, of this NBA agency? Who is the winners and losers of the NHL player agency? Hey, I'm on Twitter at JRedShow. We'll be getting back into the music. And then we'll, we'll be doing some college announcements. And then when I get back, we'll do some more music. Then I'll talk about baseball. If you have a request, hit me on Twitter at JRedShow. Here's a college announcement on 9.7 Music FM. You're listening to 9.7 WGCC. What we just heard was an old version of Take Me Out to the Ball Game from 1908. Before that was Alice Merton with No Roots. And we talk about some baseball. Yankees lead the New York Mets 2-0. They're in the middle of the fifth inning. Runs scored by DeGorius and Edwin Escian on, on RBIs from Torres and Paxton. Um, also... All those runs were scored in the second inning. For the Mets, they have three hits from Cano, Frazier, and McNeil. For pitching, Paxton has one strikeout in four innings pitched. Zach Wheel for the Mets at seven. Locally, the Batavia Muck Dogs lead the um, lead Staten Island lead um, lead the um, Spikes by a score. Uh, uh, sorry. The, the Batavia Muck Dogs lead the State College Spikes by a score of one nothing. The runs were scored by Turner on RBI by Nunes. Two hits by Reddy. Um, that's R E A D Y, not R E D D Y like my last name. Or and Turner also have hits. So for the Spikes, they only have two hits from Ware and Burns. And to talk about baseball, the Yankees were in um, London taking on the Red Sox, London and England. And they had two insane high-scoring games, 17-13 um, on Saturday and 12-8 on Sunday. So the Yankees' batting is might be the best in the history of the game. They have the record for um, 
They have the record for hit for home runs in a successive game of 30, 30. Just their hitting is just off the charts. The question is, can it overcome so so pitching? So it's a so so bullpen. I think it can because we saw the Met, the we saw the um we saw the um, Red Sox win the World Series last year despite lack of pitching, but despite a, a bad bullpen. But I think the Yankees State, in my opinion, this is the best hitting team in the history of the game. I mean, what they've done without many of the top stars like Stanton with Judge out for a good part of the season is just unbelievable. Just a and it's just so many Yankees players that could go to the All-Star game that many of them are getting snubbed. Voight, Torres, Adovano. These are three players who I think should go to the All-Star game, but they're getting left out. Uh, but Voight's going to be on injury reserve, so... The Yankees are just rolling along. It's just a, just a bad injury. They have had bad injury luck all year long. Um... I fully expect, um, I, I fully expect the day you to move back to first base for the most part. While Shallow moves back to the third baseman full time, Mike Forrest the Hayu's backup. But this injury, all these injuries are dampering a great season. Well, I think the Yankees should um, cruise to um, the um, AL East. They have a pretty comfortable league on the both um, the Rays and the um, Red Sox. They're up. Six up eight in the loss column, so I think that they should cruise the L East. The question is, when it comes baseball time, the question is, when it comes playoff time, can they overcome the bad pitching? I think they should definitely try to make some trades for some pitchers. Um, but this is um, they might want to make a deal with the Tigers. Um. Um, the two biggest trade chips are Matthew Boyd and Shane Green. Both players come with multiple years of control. This has been Boyd's breakout season. After being traded to Detroit from Toronto in the David Price deal, he floundered in ERAs and FIPs in the mid fours. In 2019, he put himself together the 3.72 ERA. That's elite level swing and missed stuff. It makes all the sense in the world to throw the slider in the more. But there's still some more development left to go. But I personally wonder why Boy isn't throwing his changeup more. But it's clear that Boy has made a very deliberate change in his approach. This kind of coachability isn't really encouraging to me, because we know the Yankees will be making suggestions and changing to optimize their players when players can show they can handle. Now there are wars with Boyd. His ERA spiked in June to a narrowly 5.20. Interestingly enough, his K and B rocket hits actually improved in June. Whether the Yankees think they can finish Boyd's development may not be a matter though. As the Tigers apparently opened negotiations and asking for Glader Torres in return. This is from the very helpful baseballtradevalues.com. And while it's only one validation of the players, Torres is just so much more valuable than Boyd. I can't blame Detroit for asking for the moon, but they're, realistic and not, but they're not realistic about Boyd's value and aren't under any pressure to trade him with more years of control. The other pitching piece that could interest the Yankees is reliever Shane Green. The piece the other Yankees gave up gave up in the three-team deal for Gregorius. Um, maybe you've heard of him. The, the Green for Didi deal is one of the absolute best trades Cashman's ever made. 
But after a pretty violent couple of mo years in Motown, Green is in the middle of something really special this year. Green's very much in the Zach Britton mold. He doesn't strike out as many batters by modern Gleam standards, but he relies on a heavy sinker-cutter combination to induce a weak contact like the ground. The on the ground. The Yankees have some success with this model of pitching. The drawback is that Green is that he's not a free agent until 2021, so it costs more than relievers, for relievers are just rentals. Um, Frazier for Bongard might be a good trade. That seems to be a benefit both teams. Mass is tough as nails, and he's like a, 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 and he's like that character in the DiCaprio film who gets attacked by a grizzly bear and was left dead somewhere else in Alaska. He's older, but like that Houston pitcher, the Yankees missed out because he, they thought he was washed up. Baumgartner can most likely reinvent himself. Um, but he is declining. Frazier is a fine young player who has proved that he can hit well at a big league level and feel likely improve. Um, already post out for Taurus. So to suggest a set piece of a boy is ludicrous. Um, but let's toss him in there for a guy that's maybe a quad eight that's all come together this last half of the season. The upside, I guess, is that they could trade for the Yankees' money in 2023 when Torres commanded a $350 million contract. Boy is not even worth pursuing. He is no better than Hap. The only starter worth trading for is Stroham because of his youth and hunger to play in New York. In the end, Cashman may go through another super lever. In that case, brings Shane Green and his old .59 ERA back to New York. The Yankees are not, not going to trade Greg Libertoros for Matthew Boyd. It's more like when you see a card sale for the Craigslist. They always want more, a lot more and eventually sells for you. You just got to wait till the sellers get shaky offers from scanners and looky lookouts and pick the right time to go for a decent offer. Steinbrenner is finally right awakened from his um, dream that he can get the right Tanaka. Cashman Reeves realized the Yankees, the, 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 the yeah, Cashman needs to realize that the, this season the Yankees have dominant regular, a dominant regular season team because the team is real, really good and clear and because the team is both really good and has also a clear deficiency in the starting pitching. It's a perfect storm to make a big move. This is the season where you overpay to make a move happen. It's okay. This is the trade deadline where you get your job is where you get got job gets evaluated and the trade is done to win a championship. Not make the most efficient trade. Hal's already verbally signed off on his spending, and that's what is needed. Cashman has the young talent just to make it happen. This team is worth the investment. Verlander's waiting for us at game one. So what are your thoughts? Hit me on Twitter at JRedShow. And we have some sad news in the baseball world. Um, um, Angels pitcher um, Tyler Skaggs has passed away at the age of 29. Um, no, um, no reports yet of his, what caused his passing, but he died in his hotel room at 27, um, no, um, reports of foul play, so, just, he just died at way too young. The Angels are playing the Rangers right now as they, um, they're tied at 1-1, run scored by David Fletcher on, uh, Brian Goodwin, RBI. Um, for the Rangers, um, since you choose scored on a Merzer RBI, it's just so sad. Just it was just so young, 27 years old, just died unexpectedly.
but it really has to show that you gotta cherish this life because you never know when it's gonna end. My one friend just lost his father yesterday. I was at a wake yesterday. So, rest in peace to them both. If you have a quest, hit me on Twitter at JRED Show. And, um, so my thoughts and prayers are with them. I don't know if they're religious or not, but my thoughts and prayers go out to them. Anyhow, if you have a quest, hit me on Twitter at JRED Show. Um,. News that Luke Voice placed on a 10 day injury IL list. So, anyhow, anyhow, rest in peace to Tyler Skaggs. Um, he's gonna be missed by the baseball community. They're gonna probably gonna play emotional tribute to him when the, after the game, probably put their hats in the middle and honor him, just like what the um, Miami Marlins did um, when Jose Fernandez died. Anyhow, if you have a quest, hit me on Twitter at jredshow, and um, come up next is events. That, for, the, for those people who we lost, here's our next song is dedicated to them, So Far Away by Events Sevenfold. Keep a lot to that point seven to Music FM.
Bass Sing from the Home of Champions, 90.7 FM, WGCC FM Batavia. Because we are the champions. And you're listening to 9.7 WGCC. What you just heard was Offense Sevenfold back from the um, Offense Sevenfold with um, So Far Away and 9.7 The Music FM. Play that song in um, memory of Tyler Skaggs. Um, anyhow, um, USA Soccer is um, <laughs> USA Soccer is um, going to the World Cup final. They will be taking on the winner of um, Netherlands and Sweden. They beat England 2-1 to one today. So, um, great victory by then. I love what Alexa Morgan, Alex Morgan did. After she scored the goal in 31 minutes in to put U.S. up 2-1, to one, she, ate, she, did, she took some fictional tea and she pretended to drink it. So, that was awesome. So, Alex Morgan leads with six goals. Ellen Weiss also has six for England. Megan Raponi has five. Sam Kerr has five for Australia. Raponi was all out with an injury, um, but she... Missed the England game with injury, but she should be back for the final. So I fully expect USA to win this one. So we'll see who wins the Golden Boot. We'll see if USA wins the Women's World Cup. And I'm gonna switch gears a little bit here. I conducted an I normally this is normally a sports show, but I'm gonna do it. I did a little interview with Heather Roos of uh, Heather Roos of Channel Awesome. Channel Awesome is a, is a, is a uh, they review movies and other TV shows and video games. It has a character called the Nostalgia Critic. Uh, he's, a, he's a funny movie reviewer. Check him out on Channel Awesome. But here's Heather Roos of Channel Awesome. You can follow my, go on Twitter at JRedShow. Go to Spotify and you can listen to the interview. I'll be playing this interview on 9.7 right now. If you request him on Twitter at JRedShow, as always, keep up to 9.7 and visit FM. Here's my interview with Heather Roos.